The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Good morning. I'm your social worker with a microphone. I'm Catherine Zox. You're listening to the Catherine Zox Show with co-host Lauren Beller-Blake, and you are on voiceamerica.com. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Lauren. Good morning, Catherine. And how are you this morning, Lauren? Well, the truth is, Catherine, you know that poem that says, I hope at the end of my life I, my, I, don't, I come sliding into home base, you know, with my body all used up rather than, oh, good, I'm fine. Remember that poem? I do. Got got. Well, that's it. what yeah. it feels like. I came sl- sliding into my office this morning. No gas in the car. Almost ran out of gas. Taking my daughter to school. Sliding <laughs> <laughs> in the first. Pick up that phone and get on the air. And get on the air. And my car still has zero gas in it. That which means I can't run out on the way. You know. Oh my God. Crazy but day. I'm going to one upsman you. Go for it. I am going to one. My dear, I was in Baltimore. Maryland last night uh, at a, somebody friend's a sixth, a friend and family 60th birthday party. All women, you would have loved it. Fabulous. It was, you know, 40 or 50 women. And I was celebrating, and I had, this is last night, so I had to take the first plane out of Baltimore this morning to get here for the show. Oh, my God. See, I told you I'm going to top you on this one. So, and I am so exhausted. But for, first of all, I got up at four o'clock in the morning because the cab was coming to pick me up at five forty-five to take me to the airport because the flight was at seven forty-five. And of course, I'm praying, please do not let the plane be late. Thank you, Southwest. You were right on time. Uh, but the weather was perfect and it was beautiful and it worked out right. Okay, have to leave the, at quarter six because otherwise that Beltway traffic. Forget about it, right? It's true. <clears throat> got to the airport. I am praying that it's, I am so tired for, and I have to. This is another thing. Do you have problems? I we I had four clocks lined up, and I couldn't figure out how to turn the alarm on for any of them. Oh my god! I just used my iPhone. That's exactly what I did. Used my iPhone, and everything was fine. So anyway, I had to do that. But once I woke up at four, I couldn't go back so, to sleep so because I waited, was waiting for the cab to come. So anyway, I got on the plane. Here I am. Oh, got off. I, this is still part of the story. Got off at the airport, Lauren, and suddenly I remember because on four hours sleep, where did I park my car? Oh, I've done that too. Where the hell is my car? I went to the third floor of the place of you know where you park your cars. It wasn't there, and I thought, uh oh, because I've had the guy drive me around before, <laughs> having but I don't have time to do this because I got like right. forty minutes. Yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, so uh, you know you're sliding into first with your just all you had was an empty gas tank. I of course I found my car on the fourth uh, level of the ramp, and here I am. And then I have a big presentation to do after this so okay did i talk oh, no, no. Do, does everybody do this like come, that's is this how we all do life is it, it it's crazy time it, it's not good but you and i are on the show every week telling people don't do this i know exactly 
Exactly. That's the point. We are hypocrites. I know. I don't. I hate being a hypocrite. So I like to speak about it when I'm being a little like when life is a little crazy because I don't. I don't want people to think that it's all a piece of cake because it's not. And I think you, the way you present it and sometimes the way I present it, it makes it sound that way. And it's not. And this is crazy what we did. This is crazy morning what you and I just did. It was crazy morning. Yeah. I mean, that's cutting it to the chase. It makes you anxious. It stresses you out. And tomorrow morning I'm going to, to Tucson. <laughs> tomorrow you go to Tucson? Yeah, I have to figure out how to get to Tucson. No, I know I'm getting there, but I have to go to the bank, and I don't have any money right now because I used all my cash. You know, all that. (laughs) Uh, Yes. So we both need to take a deep breath. Let's take a deep breath. I'm glad we have a guest next who is actually a business coach or a life coach. Oh, we need him today. We need him today. We screwed him up already. He called in, or we called him too early. I mean, because this is where I am. You know, I, I can't having difficulty thinking. You know, you go into a fog. Oh, I do when I don't have enough sleep. So, uh, we, so we have to kind of just calm down, relax, do a little bit of meditation, like just kind of on air like this, right? Exactly. So afterwards, you after do you have things to do later on in the day? I do. I <laughs> do you? you? Know, yes. Well, you need bonbons with my feet up. <laughs> <laughs> Once you finish this, it's over, right? You're done. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to a. Uh, this is another woman's th- women's thing. Uh, do you think we have men who listen to us at all, or is it just women? Uh, they've got to be. I don't know. Yeah. I think there's got to be some. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to Tucson. I'm going actually to Dove Mountain. It's a new place. The Ritz-Carlton just opened up a brand-new hotel, and uh, there's a spa thing. Joan London, were you on the – she was on the show, or was – I think maybe it was when you were not – you were on vacation, I don't remember a recent vacation, but anyway, she's having a big spa thing. Not, I don't know well, how big it is. Fun. Yeah, so we'll see. And I, this is, and then I was listening to the, this. Talk about how much in the know I am. I was listening to the Today Show a couple of days ago, listing the top ten new hotel resorts, and that was listed as one of them. Oh, cool! So is that probably, why you chose to go? What else? I can predict, I'm good at predicting trends. No, I thought it would be interesting. I knew it was new, and I knew I not because I saw it on the Today Show. I had already made my reservations before then, but sounded good. It will be, I'm eager to hear about it. Yeah, you going so, by yourself, or Barry going with you? No, this is for ladies only. Oh, ladies only. Yeah, no men. Just you. Just me. Nice. Yeah. You told me I could have met you. Actually, I couldn't have tomorrow, but could you? Well, it's no, only I couldn't. Days. I have no. I'm I'm a single parent this week. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's for the whole week. For the whole week. Yeah. Let's talk about single parenting. That's easy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's a piece of cake. I love your sarcasm today. Piece <laughs> of cake. You know what? I haven't decided. Is it easier to be a single parent, or is it easier? Or is it easier to have a partner? I can't decide which. To be quite honest with you. <laughs> They're both a lot of work. Because you know what? It depends. I think it depends on what... Sometimes you get used to handling things on your own. Exactly. And then he gets mad because I don't stop and ask him, like, his opinion. And I'm like, you're never home. I don't have time to stop and ask your opinion. Yeah. And and if you're gone for a week, okay, you've established your your, uh, 
uh, routine with yourself, with 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 your exactly. child, and then somebody comes back in, even if it is your husband, and has some suggestions. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah, and he definitely feels like, wait, you're doing this all by yourself, and I want to say, uh, yeah, I'm glad you noticed. <laughs> Yes, I am, and I've established my criteria about how I want to operate. That's a tough thing, and I think there are probably more women today, and maybe men, but more women today who have that problem. You well, know? I have to tell you, yesterday I called up a friend yeah. um, just to vent. I just needed to vent. And she said, you know, Lauren, I've seen the, there was a recent article, I forget where she said she saw it, that there's a trend happening right now where women and men are separating, not legally, just physically, and they're each getting their own separate houses and living apart and keep continuing the marriage but long distance, like even in the same town or far away, it doesn't matter. They're just finding it's healthier. Isn't this is what I've been tell- Barry and I have been doing this for 20 years. I know you have. I thought of you. Yeah, not legally married but committed partners living apart. It works beautifully. It's very interesting that there's so many people. It's on. It's your. You were way ahead of your trend there. Yeah, way. It's, I, I'm. I'm really shocked that, that. I'm not shocked because I think it works. But going back to sometimes, I still go back to that whole architecture thing. You know, my my whole thing is that you, even if you let's say you're not going to live apart, actually physically, both of you having two homes or two apartments. Yep. But build houses that that make it so that people can have or couples or partners can have some separate space. I think it's I think we're going to start to see that and the reason I, it's going to start because of work because we're going to have I think we're going to have more and more people working from home. So both both couples adults in the house will need their own physical workspace. Yeah, they'll need almost like their own apartment. Exactly. If they want to work because they work differently, different times. You need your own little kitchen. You need, then you can have a common area. Fine. Can, well, my mother has this. My mother has a three-story brownstone. First floor is her office with a kitchen, living room. Only thing it doesn't have is sleeping quarters, although her futon turns into a bed for company. Next floor is the common area, living room, bedroom. The third floor is his, he's an artist, is his art studio. And I always. I know that about your mother, and I have to tell you, when I talk about this at cocktail parties, I don't mention her name, but I always bring up that situation, her situation, her living situation. Yeah, it works. Oh, and on the third floor is also their um, mutual steam shower. You know, you have to have that too, right? You have to have that too, whatever is makes whatever <laughs> makes it work, whatever makes it fun. <laughs> whatever oh, makes it fun. Yeah, you have to have your fun room, your playroom. Everybody's got this gigantic playroom for the kids. How about a playroom for the adults? Exactly. Yeah, great no idea. That we're going to take a break, and but I just want to tell everybody that our next guest is Kenneth Jetting. He's author of Higher Education on Life, Landing a Job, and Everything Else that. They didn't teach you in college. Interesting topic. Okay. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to Catherine Zox and Lauren Beller-Blake on VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. News. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Money. We love it. We hate it. And everything in between. 
you can be the master of your life and your own economics. Join Professor Laurie Lamantia each week for the program Making Peace with Money. Laurie will help you realize the power to create fulfillment in your life and shed new light on your money madness. You'll learn how to make peace with money and feel the joy and freedom renewed in your life. Making Peace with Money is broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. He'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Stop wasting time. Get what you want. Live your dream life. The dream big revolution. Imagine having more freedom, better health, more money, happiness. Could your business be more successful? Unless you're living the life you want, you're wasting precious time. Your life is too valuable to waste. Let Leanne Hilgers help you find health, wealth, and happiness. Listen in and live your dream life. Join the dream big revolution. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, on the 7th Wave Network. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com listening to the Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox. I'm your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to the Catherine Zox Show with my co-host, Lauren Beller-Blake, and it's voiceamericavariety.com. Thanks so much, everybody, for joining us this morning. And joining Lauren and me is Kenneth Jetting. He's author of Higher Education on Life, Landing a Job, and Everything Else They Didn't Teach You in College. His website, if you want to go to it now, is www.higheredgradbook.com, and we'll mention it again throughout the show. Anyway, Kenneth has two degrees, which is the two degrees that he has, and you're on now, Ken, but are the two degrees that I have, Master's of Social Work and a Master's of Education. But you've been a banker, a teacher, a mentor. Yes, I've uh, always... done all kinds of things. Uh, you are a career counselor, life coach, all and so you are an expert, obviously, and you are the person to write this book. Okay, so what is the premise of the book? Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me on. The premise of the book is that, um, well, where it really came from is that when I graduated 
I said to myself, oh, my God, because I really wanted people to tell me stuff. And nobody really knew what to tell me. And my parents tried their best, but, you know, they have their own ideas about what's going to be best. And sometimes with some parents that'll be right, but with some parents it won't. And I just went into a bookstore and said, do you have a book that will help me with, you know, relationships, parents, and especially career? And there was no such book. So years later, by the spiritual principle, I guess, that you sort of give what you need to get, I wrote the book that I wish I'd once had. So you wrote the book when? Because you graduated from college. This was well, college many, many, many That's years like, ago. How many? <laughs> how many? Well, in the, I graduated originally in 1979. 19- so I wrote the book then. This is actually the second such book on this subject, and um, this is the new expanded uh, version based on, because I wrote the first book. It's an interesting story. I self-published my first book because I really felt I wanted to get this out there. And then I traveled the country, I got on national TV, and I just lectured, and I really got more and more into what is important to put down. And the theory that I always use to write books like this is I thought, okay, you're writing a self-help book. I mean, one thing you can do is pontificate. You can just say anything. I mean, if you believe that the world should be a peaceful place, you can say, well, the world is a peaceful place, which it's not really. So I didn't, certainly didn't want to pontificate. And then I thought the second thing you can do is say true things, but that are cliché, so they don't really help anybody. Like, for example, if I said, if you go through life angry at a parent, it's going to hurt you in some ways. Well, you know, if you just say that, it's, like, it's actually like a parent saying, and I'm old enough to be a parent, and uh, somebody's going to walk away from that and say, well, great, so what? So the art of these books, and especially this new book, is how to say things that are, people are going to actually be able to use and process. All right, well, let's take examples of it, because I'm a social worker, and so are you. So I think giving examples, like you do in the book, is important. Like, take it subject by subject. Well, you start out, you graduate from college, like you did in 1979. Um, and even and today, I, and I, you graduate from college, where there are no jobs available, or at least that's the, the perception that there are no jobs available. And then you majored in what? You majored in the, I mean, you talk about... What do you I major? originally majored in French language and literature uh, because I always wanted to learn a foreign language, but That's it a wasn't good. a very useful thing. <laughs> and I myself always knew I was going to be a writer, and I also knew it was going to take a long time. So I, I knew I was going to do a million jobs. I, I drove a taxi as well. But um, one story that happened to me, actually, I, this book's not really about me as much, but there's one story which is that my, when I was in my mid-20s, I didn't know what to do, and my father knew somebody in a bank. And he got me a job in a bank. And um, I was a real estate loan officer. And the thing is, is I, I, this is in the, there's a chapter about parents and career. Because what happened was, my father, what he wanted for me was the best things. He wanted me to be happy. He wanted me to be successful. He then assumed that because he would have liked to be in banking, that I would be happy and successful in banking. But the thing is, I, you know, I can balance my checkbook, okay? But I'm not really somebody who gets up and goes to sleep dreaming of numbers and thinking that's an exciting thing to do. So I never could have been successful at it. So one of the points I speak to with parents is my father, by telling me you should do this, was really at cross purposes with himself because if he really wanted me to be successful, which he really did, and he didn't realize that I never, you know, I was always able to hold my own in banking, but I never would have risen to the top because I was really bored to death doing it. So, um, that's actually what I did for a lot of my 20s is I was in banking. And, you know, you could say, is it a waste of time? Do you waste years? But the point of the book is, you know, life is a movie, not a 
photograph, not a snapshot. So yeah, we're really... It's a, it's a kind of an organic process, isn't it? It's an right. evolution. I always think it's an evolution, which you kind of... You don't say that in the book, but well, you started at the end because listening to parents and what they want for you. I mean, happiness is a general term, and how you achieve it for them is different than how you wanted to achieve it for yourself. Mm-hmm. But let's start like right from the beginning. You graduate yeah. from college, you majored in French, you majored in geology, you majored in. And most kids are like, now what do I do with it? Do I have to go to graduate school? There are no jobs available. Uh, how do you come to terms with it yourself without necessarily looking towards your parents? I mean, Mm-hmm. Well, there's a few things I talk about. One is that what, when I lecture, one of the main things that people need to hear, and one of the things that changes them from being totally depressed and freaked out when they get to the lectures to really feeling okay, is that you don't need to know exactly what you want to do. I mean, it's great if you do, and many people, some people do, but most people figure it out as they go. Now, the problem with that is you say to yourself, if I don't know what I want to do, then if I do the wrong thing, I'm going to get stuck doing it for the rest of my life. And then you say, ah, and then you you get paralyzed. And that's what people do is they just don't do anything. And the thing you need to realize is that skill sets transfer between careers. So what that means is I had a friend who was a theater major and became a theater director, and then she decided she wanted to be a lawyer. Now, if you look at that, you'd say, oh, God, those two have nothing in common. But the truth is, as a theater director, she was teaching people to speak on stage. And as a lawyer... She was a litigator. She was speaking in front of juries, making her cases. So she was, as a theater director, she gave herself the best possible training to be a lawyer. But the thing about that is she didn't know it at the time. She didn't say, one day I'm going to be a lawyer, so it's good that I'm a theater director now. And nobody needs to either know it in advance. All you need to do is get started in something, and it will lead to something else. And so you're saying, and know that your skills, as you say in the book, are really transferable. Exactly. It, it may be not transparent, but they are transferable. Like, you know, going from a often, you know, I've met a lot of people who are broadcast journalists or people who are in theater uh, who have law degrees. You know, which is interesting that you should when well, you talk about that in the book. But uh, people do go back and forth. I've noticed in these between law and acting, and theater, and television, yeah. uh, I guess for the reasons that you described. Yeah, I mean, everyone. I think everyone who's going to go to law school, or a lot of people are saying, oh, God, should I really be doing it? So they're sort of going in with one hand tied behind my back, their back. And what I say in the book is that, look, if you feel I'm, I'm sort of feel like I'm going to go to law school, but I don't know if I really want to, well, if you can find a good reason not to go, then obviously don't go. But if you feel you're going to go anyway, just think of it this way. How hard is law school? It's like building a pyramid. So if you're doing it with one hand to hide behind your back, you're even stronger. I mean, in other words, it is a form of passion if you're doing it. So to take responsibility for it, you say, okay, I'll do it. And in the book, I tell stories of actually most of my friends I know who are lawyers are not practicing law, and they've had, they all say they don't regret having gone to law school. Well, it's a discipline. It's a way of learning how to think and how to analyze, and you can apply that to business. You can apply it, as you mentioned, to theater, to almost anything. Um, but you, also in the book, though, uh, Kenneth, you talk about internships and volunteering. I mean, is that something one should be? Is that something that you know, once you graduate from college, you should be doing, or is that a waste of your time? Well, I think that uh, it's a good question. Um, in this economy. You know, nobody wants to work for free, ever. And everyone who graduates, most people have student loans. And it's serious business. And nobody wants to say, I'll just work for free. But the truth is, when you're out of college and you're home, 
you don't want to get in a totally passive mode where you're just waiting for somebody to answer your resume, waiting for somebody to answer your email. And they have a hundred or a thousand emails and they don't always answer right away. So you need to get active. And one of the ways is an internship is really, even temping, is a way to get free experience in any field you like. And if they like you, they might hire you. Now, of course, the difficulty with that is, you know, you go to a temp thing, you get home and you don't really like it. And you say, oh, my God, like, what's happening with my life? I, I remember the story of Steve Ross, who ended up putting Time and Warner together to make Time Warner. He got out of college and was selling women's bathing suits. And then he married somebody who had a funeral business. So he was like an undertaker. Now, you know, it's great to have a business no matter what it is. So he's lucky he married somebody. But the truth is, this is a guy who wanted to be in show business. So imagine if you're an undertaker and you're wanting to be in show business, which is very symbolic of somebody who gets out of school and they're at a temp job or they're behind a desk or they're behind a cash register and they're saying, how's my life ever going to happen here? Now, Steve Ross said, the skills I learned as an undertaker were the skills I needed, the people skills, how to understand what people need psychologically, what they're going through. Those are exactly the skills I needed in entertainment. But the trick is, again, when you're Steve Ross or when you're that person in your first nightmare job or situation not to completely lose hope so yeah i think temping and volunteering are definitely things to keep your hands in because you just want to build your self-esteem um you don't want to get overwhelmed by the process where you just feel like a total failure and so part of that is when you're doing something productive you're going to feel better about yourself which can lead you to get something better and then the next step is i guess you have to having you're developing your skills uh, you know, and one of the chapters in the book, which I think is really critical, is finding your passion. I mean, some people do that with ease, and they know what it is, and but so many people don't. And I think that unless you do that, you're not going to be able to 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 be, I guess, to be satisfied or to find out your calling or whatever it is you want to do. Don't you think so? I mean, I think finding your passion is really key. I think finding your passion is important. You know, if you feel like, you're the social worker, and there's, you know, people who are doing the helping professions are people who are following their passion. Now, there are many people who would like to be social workers, who would like to be therapists or chiropractors, and they say, really, you say, what do you want to do? And they say, I don't know what I want to do. I'm thinking of a friend's son in particular. And uh, he really, can you hold that, and we can I want to see we can talk about him when we come back. Okay. Do you want to be a chiropractor? I've never heard anybody, you know, growing up saying I want to be a chiropractor. But anyway, maybe they do. Uh, you're listening to Catherine Zox and Lauren Beller Blake, and our guest Kenneth Jetting, author of Higher Education on VoiceAmericaVariety.com. It's the Catherine Zox Show. We'll be back in a minute. Don't go away. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, this is Dr. Vijaya Nair. Together with my dear friend, Dr. Howard Piper, we are hosting our own show called Kiss Your Life Hello. We are two internationally recognized experts, researchers, authors, and health advocates in holistic medicine and counseling. 
We promise you a fantastic show with interesting guest experts to educate and entertain you with the latest information on mind, body, and spirit wellness. Join us on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. See you there. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment rising to levels not seen since the Great Depression. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon pacific time on the voice america business channel go behind the scenes of what you see hear and read on the news learn the ins and outs of public relations on stars of pr with cindy r every thursday at 7 a.m pacific time cindy rakowitz is a clio award winner and founder of rock and roll public relations who wants to share her pr experiences and knowledge with you learn how to handle a crisis deal with celebrities and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to the Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll free number is 866 472 5788. That number again is 866 472 5788. We're back. Thanks for joining us this morning. I'm Catherine Zox with Lauren Beller Blake and our guest, Kenneth Jetting, author of Higher Education on Life, Landing a Job, and Everything Else They Didn't Teach You in College. And if you are just joining us, uh, we've been talking, Ken and Lauren and I are talking about his new book, which is all about college grads and what they face, obviously today a whole new set of challenges that their parents didn't face. Uh, you know, like once they graduate from college, the rules have changed, there aren't jobs available, um, they have to, they need a new guidebook, which this is, I guess. And the questions that they ask, Kenneth, you went around and talked to these students, what is my purpose in life, how can I land my dream job, um, and, of course, at the end, how did I wind up in my parents' house? That's, hopefully they don't want to do that. But we were talking specifically. Oh, and I'm going to mention your website again. If you want to go to Kenneth's website, you can go to www.hireedgradbook.com. Um, chiropractors, I mean, like, <laughs> well, <laughs> who wants to be a chiropractor? Well, I mean, you Alan, go up and say I want to be a TV. chiropractor? I don't huh? think so. I'm sorry. I was saying Alan on the funniest show, Two and a Half Men, is a chiropractor, but he's kind of a nerd. But uh, yeah, he's a nerd. He's the geek, right? Or his nerds <laughs> are different than geeks. He he's a nerd. But the thing is, is that what the point I was making was a friend's son is doesn't know what he wants to do, but he says, like many young people say, I want to help people, and that's a beautiful thing. A lot of people want to help people, and some of those people actually need to be in one of the helping professions. But what we learn very young is, you know, those professions don't make a lot of money. So if you're thinking, well, I want money, which is a very nice thought because everyone wants money and everyone has needs for money, then you might say, well, I can't 
do these things. I can't be a therapist. I can't be a chiropractor. I can't be a social worker working with the mentally ill because it doesn't make money. And then you automatically then go to, I don't know what my passion is, when really they do. So the point is, is that sometimes you have to follow it. I mean, it'll make you happier. It'll make you feel empowered. It'll make you more popular. Everything happens when you just start to become who you are. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot in the book about that, about money, where, you know, you, it's nice for people who are, who want to do something that is a lucrative field. That's great. But, you know, not everyone, you have to do what's going to really work for you. So you yeah, or otherwise think, it never works. And even the, I think if you get into professions where, it, you know, traditionally you do make money or you should make money, if you don't like doing it, you don't end up making that much money. Yeah, you know, even so. if, let's say, you have the potential to we'll go back to being a lawyer. What do you think about this? And you, you know, potentially that's a lucrative profession, but you know what? If you don't like it, you'll be probably just an average lawyer and you won't make so much money. You'll be exactly. a lawyer for the state. It's the actual, I hope so nobody's listening to me from the state, but that's the truth. You're not going to be a big-time money-making litigator because you don't like it. Your heart's not in it. You're not passionate about it. I mean, what do you think, Lauren? Do you agree? I do agree with that. I'm sorry. My dog was barking. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, um, no I do agree with that. I think that if we need to have we need to know what we're passionate about. But I also do think that we we get bored even in the things that we're passionate about. And, mm. and to, how do we keep that alive? That's a good question. I think I think again that again life's a movie, not a photograph. So basically, you know, things evolve, things change. And that's one of the biggest illusions after college is I'll be stuck where I am for the rest of my life. Yeah. So if you start something, yeah, even in something you're passionate about, you will be bored, and that's something to deal with. Well, you but mentioned think, in the book, Kenneth, that you, you, know, you mentioned several famous, well-known people, celebrity-type people, who have lots of, who've had lots of different jobs. And, you know, people have three or, I think now people, I don't know if it's a prediction or people have already begun to do that, have, have three or four, not just jobs, but you say careers throughout yeah. their whole life. Three I mean, or four careers. Those are the statistics. You're going to have several careers. But as I say, like the story between the theater director who became a lawyer, you, you save steps. You know, you jump careers. Um, i just like to say there's a, there's a section in the book that says some famous people and what they majored in, which I like because it shows that you don't always <laughs> end up where you started. And Mick <laughs> I love Jagger that. majored in economics. Uh, President Kennedy in history. Um, the CEO of Hewlett-Packard majored in medieval history and philosophy. It's important because it's, you know, again, knowing that you're not bound by your major either. You know, when you go for yeah. a job interview, you have to really say, they're let, they gave me the interview because they've seen my major on the paper, so now I have to make it real for them. I have to explain what my passion was playing the violin and why that could possibly relate to what they're interviewing me for now. You know? Yeah, and you gave several examples in the book. Tell it, give us one because those are, those are kind of cool. I mean, like somebody who goes into, uh, I think it was a, maybe one of them was like uh, wanting to get a job as a copywriter but had majored in something totally different and how they kind of were able to integrate their skills into like, wow, they'd be a great copywriter for this particular job. Right. It was somebody who majored in, I think the example was languages, and they wanted to be a copywriter. Now, there are certain things. If you want to be a doctor, you need to have pre-med or an engineer. But, you know, for things like this, if you are going to go in as a copywriter, they're not really looking for if you're a copywriter already. And if, if they, you know, obviously if you're not in the right major, it might not hurt to take a one-day course and come into that copywriting interview with some copy that you've done and had somebody else look at and approve of. But in an interview, it's like a first date. I mean, part of what they're doing is seeing would I want to spend 
40 hours a week with this person? Am I going to like to get along with this person? And what do people look at on first dates? They look at if you're confident, if you feel good about yourself. So when they say, well, wait a minute, you majored in Italian, and you're here to be a copywriter. We don't have any clients in Italian. Right there, if you can proudly say, well, you know, I was interested in languages, which is a form of how do you communicate with people, and blah, 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 and you can excite them. Keep in mind they're not trying to learn something about Italian, and they're certainly not trying to learn something about copywriting because they know it, but they're trying to learn about your character. And it's more interesting if you have a person who had a passion and they're still coming to you because they think that that passion can segue into copywriting. Oh, all right. Give us an ex- That's a good one. But what about I, – now I'm going to put you on the spot because yeah. you've done this yourself. I mean, you, you have a degree in social work, a degree in French language and literature, master's in education. As you said, banker, then you segued into teacher. Mm-hmm. I've and done everything. Then, I mean, and the funny thing is, is the way I got back to school for social work is I get letters. Actually, on my webpage are letters that people write me from my books. And there's one letter that I didn't think it was right to put on the webpage, even anonymously, which they're all anonymous. But is a young man wrote me and said, I read your book and it convinced me I can't go through life hating my father. And um, I usually correspond with people who write to me. So anyone listening, if they want to write to me on my webpage, but... Um, I thought with this young man, you know, it's very easy. The idea of a self-help book like this is to plant the seeds for and to get rid of people's frustration and inertia and hopelessness and get them going. But then to actually forgive a father, you know, what he needed to do is a longer-term process. So I went back to school, and that's actually how I got back to be a social worker. So you see, one thing leads to another. And now the social work has informed the writing of the new book. Now, can you see the picture, Lauren? I mean, I'm trying to follow it, but yeah. Uh, totally <laughs> is it hard to follow? Well, it's quite a story, and I think that um, you know that I mean you actually save this person, and to me, what is his life? I mean, somebody's going around hating their father and helping him to come to terms with it. I mean, no wonder you went into social work. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's all the same. I mean, the books are the same as the social work, which is just helping people to free themselves from the mental stuff that we all have that just um, slows us down. You know. I mean, yeah, well, you have a chapter on reframing or letting it go. Mm. Yeah, you know, to I mean, me, it's interesting. When we complete something we set out to complete, whether it's a degree or a project or a, um, losing weight, a goal, we boost our own self-esteem. So to me, you know, getting a degree is not about the degree. It's about completing something you set out to do. Mm-hmm. And that's, I yeah. think, a really important thing to learn about yourself, that you can set out to do something that's four years or whatever it is, and complete it. Yeah, I think that is very important. I mean, the social work degree was incredible anyway, because I was working with these severe schizo- people with severe schizophrenia and things like that. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, one of the questions, there's a Q&A in the book about, and one of the obvious questions people ask is, should I go to grad school? And, you know, it's obviously not a slam dunk answer. Slam yeah. dunk. <laughs> it's not a yes, no, easy answer. In other words, um, some people should, some shouldn't. It's a huge outlay of cash, but there are many considerations to put, take into account. Yeah, well, I, when I, we were talking about getting bored. When I get bored, I go to school. I mean, I have two graduate degrees and a certificate in, in uh, radio, and, uh, you know, and, 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 of course, now I'm thinking maybe I should go to law school, and so <laughs> I find that very comforting. I find learning a new discipline, as I think you mentioned that, uh, Lauren, just learning the discipline, not necessarily that I'm going to become, a, you know, a lawyer or a social worker or whatever, but just going through that process opens up 
it opens up your mind. I mean, if you and so there's this I think there's a lot to. I mean, I, I just going through the process of graduate school I think is a, can be a positive thing without necessarily making that a profession. I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a wonderful thing, and I think some people are really good at being students, and other people don't like it as much. But if you're one of the people who likes to be a student, then I would say follow your passion if at all possible. All right. So, any surprises when you were writing the book? I mean, you were interviewing people, and and uh, you know, when you started out, uh, you know, like because um, there is a major difference, I think, and a major shift in, in generations. Let's say your generation or our generation, and now the students today. Well, one thing I was nervous about is in the relationships chapter. You know, I was wondering if people, young people, you know, if I can even speak their language because people hook up and whatever it is. But I really think it's the same thing we were all doing. Um, and obviously they go out as friends more when they're younger. But the, the main issues, like when you finally are looking for somebody who's going to, you hope to be the one, what goes into that and what you need to think about, I think those things really don't change. So I was interviewing an extra number of people before just to make sure that my re- my own reality testing on that was still right. Except don't you think that the Internet and the connections and the social media and all that has changes, made cha- changes things? It's enormous because what happens in the Internet is it's, it's intimacy without intimacy. You know, like Facebook is a way to sort of pretend that you have all these friends, but you don't really have to deal with them <laughs> in the flesh. <laughs> So it can be a way to isolate yourself. And I think every generation has its thing, its challenges. And I think this younger generation, one of those challenges will be about the real intimacy and what that involves and, you know, face-to-face and getting on with people that way. But, but as I'll say again, I think they're also very gifted at it in certain ways because they all travel in packs friends, which, you know, we didn't as much. I mean, I had friends growing up, but it wasn't the way they do it. So, you know, there's always hope for every generation to really yeah, well, work I out think all that, these that, Yeah, they're doing things in isolation, more things in isolation perhaps, and maybe there's a difference between connecting and linking up and having intimate relationships, and one doesn't preclude the other. You can have all of these connections. If, you, if you're just aware of what they are, they're not necessarily intimate relationships, and then you also have intimate relationships. They're two different things. Mm-hmm, definitely. Don't confuse the two. I don't know that they do. Anyway, we've... Uh, we have to say goodbye, not goodbye for the show, but we're going to say goodbye to Kenneth. And I want to mention your web, you mentioned the website again. um, Okay, but radio people have better pronunciation, but I certainly will. If you want me to do it, I can do it. I love www.higheredgradbook.com. Beautiful. Kenneth Jetting, Higher Education. This is the title of the book on life, landing a job, and everything else they didn't teach you in college. Great talking to you today. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for having me on. Great to have you on the show. Yeah. We will be back in a few minutes. I'm Catherine Zox with Lauren Deller-Blake. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com. I'm your social worker with a microphone. And uh, we'll be back in a few minutes. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. If you're a parent, you face all kinds of challenges. You know you're a good parent, but we have a show that may help you become a better one. It's called the Book of Dad Radio Show, hosted by expert husband and wife team Robert and Ulette Benson. This program will answer your questions about a variety of topics that parents need to stay on top of. 
It's a roundtable of discussion that's great for the weekend or anytime. Tune in to the Book of Dad radio show every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Women in business today face many challenges in advancing their careers and reaching their goals. There are corporate executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners that have made their mark in business. Now you can learn their secrets and tips. Listen to Women Mean Business as your host, Bonnie Marcus, explores how to thrive in the business environment, navigate the workplace, and climb the corporate ladder. Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and effectively promote yourself today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back, Catherine Sox and Lauren Beller-Blake on VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Good morning again. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, so, Lauren, did you learn anything? You know, I like his perspective. I think that it's life is, we're not doing a good job, I think, as a whole, as, you know, from a parenting standpoint, from an education standpoint, and I think his point is great that we, there's more to it than just, you know, the basics that we teach in, in, the, in the world. You mean getting out of college, getting a job, settling down, doing all the, you know, like there's this whole prescribed kind of thing that you have to do right away and there's like a formula? No, there isn't. It's not so formula, obviously, with his book. You know, it's just, I think, that's what I loved about it. And I think one of the things is there's lots of different ways to get to the same point. I mean, you might know where you want to get, you know, people may have the same goal, but the way they get to their goal is very different. Yeah. You know, there's a, some colleges I've heard re- recently, this is a new trend, and I should have brought it up, but there was just not enough space and room, time. Um, there's some colleges that are accepting kids into school, but saying you don't have to come for a year. You will have a position at our college in one year. In the next year, go have a life experience and see the world. And I think that's brilliant. It, and I am guilty as a parent of not allowing one of my sons wanted to do that. And he said, I would like to take a year and then go to college. And I so panicked. I mean, I'm telling the truth. Well, what if he takes off a year and then he doesn't go to yeah, college? Yeah. Or he decides he's not going to go or he gets involved in something else. And that, for me, was different than graduate school because, well, you don't have to go to graduate exactly, school. Exactly, yeah. You have, so I, pan- I, I said, no, you have to go to college. And then after that, you do what you want to do or you know, take time. You know, then it's your decision. But I was too, as, uh, you know, I have to admit, I was too cut afraid that he'd get sidetracked and wouldn't go back to, to college. I think the difference, is, though, is getting them hooked and accepted into college prior to taking that year off so they have a commitment to the college to show up in a year. Yeah, and that makes it different. And it if does. colleges are doing that or have a tendency, that's a great, that's, that, that makes it different. It does. I think it's valuable. I think there's so much life out there that we have to learn, and we're not, we're not giving kids a way to do it. And I think that's the reason that we have such an explosion in the whole, the whole um, 
what's it called? A home a parent when parents teach their kids home teaching, home, te- home schooling, home schooling. Uh, there's a huge trend in that direction. See, I am against homeschooling. I totally understand why you're against it, and I, I know I people that are doing it, and I'm amazed at the, the I'm amazed at the kids. I think there are some kids who do probably really well, and and you know, you tell me. I I would think that I mean the ones that I've seen are the ones that you know that are, that I've you know they people that I know or I've seen in the paper, like kids who are really brilliant perhaps and live in a school system that's not that great, and they have parents who are also, uh, well, there's one case here in, uh, in, in New York uh, where the parents were both math professors, and they were really, you know, quite capable of teaching their kid, I thought, and, and their daughter was this exceptional student, and she ended up doing really well and, you know, going to MIT. And, uh, but that worked for them. But what if, you know, you have to have a real fit with the parent and the kid. You do. I, I could think, never do it. I could never do it. And I think that you do your kid a disservice. I think that the other thing, and then you have the kids maybe on the lower end who aren't getting what they need because they're more needy. And But most of us fall in, you know, that middle bell-shaped curve, and I think that there's a lot of others. You have to, to me, the world is tough. It's, there's a lot you have to deal with, and if you're homeschooled, you don't get the, you're not on the playground with the rest of the kids. You're not having to deal with all the stuff that happens in school, and you don't learn how to na- navigate your sometimes not-so-friendly environment. Yeah, I'd say very much so. I mean, with all the bullying going on at schools, and there's a, there's a, Ugly, there's an ugly perspective in some perspective, you know, some some aspects of life that are not so fun and hard. Also, leadership qualities, the good side of it. At, yeah, you know, yeah, it's true. Running for class vice president, I don't know, whatever it is, it's just so much. It's sort of, it's very insulating, I think, insulating and isolating as a whole. I'm not that's saying a, it wouldn't work for anybody, but I, I just don't. I, I think that you, it's a you need to get out there. I felt like I was, um, what's the word, sort of not allowing my daughter to, if I was going to hold her back from school and not allow her to go to school, I felt like I was making her world small. So I think that any experience that you can offer them is a good experience. Making her world small. and that I didn't want to make her world small. I wanted to make her world as big as possible. Yeah. And, and you just, that's, yeah, I, I agree with you. And so, good. Now, you're not homeschooling her, are no, you? I'm not homeschooling. She's in school right <laughs> you're now. You're not even at home, so you can't homeschool her. Well, what's interesting is homeschooling. I was just speaking to a woman this weekend. Homeschooling is, there's a way of homeschooling that actually has your kids take classes that are like going to college at five. You, you, select, the, um, you select the class that you want them to experience, and they're all done by homeschooled parents. Very amazing. There's a whole thing out there that doesn't make it so that they don't leave their four walls. You know, it's very social and interactive, and there's ways to do it so that you expose them to things that you as a parent aren't interested in teaching them. So explain that to me. You're saying that you can homeschool with other homeschooling teach. So what do you do, go around to different people's houses, or how does that work? They actually had a, they have a building, and it's a co-op. They call it a, a homeschooling co-op. I, didn't, I just learned this two days ago. I had no idea. So you pay for, this woman has a three-year-old and a, four, a five-year-old, and she's homeschooling. She's got a five-year-old that can speak Spanish up to 100. You know, all this is learning a ton. And um, three-year-olds also speaking Spanish already. And they're both going to be enrolled in two, their own, they're going to start next year. One will be six, one will be four. And they're going to go separate, at the same time but different classes. 
and specifically they're going to be exposed to art for that particular class. She says the first year they're just going to do one class. The next year they might add three or four classes. So they go to the class with other homeschooled kids based on the topics that the parents want them to be exposed to that they're not getting at home. Really I don't have any friends that I would want to... <laughs> Oh my kids! Maybe we I have love them dearly. I love my friends, but I don't want. But they're not. Te- I see. I'm. I, I. I can't see them, and they have lots of different areas of expertise, as I'm sure you know. Your friends do too. But I don't want them teaching my kids. Well, I have a, an old nanny who is an artist, and she started doing art that programs for kids. So she's a professional art teacher. I wouldn't. I would put my daughter in her class, and that would probably be. It could be homeschool kids, regular kids, etc. It's interesting. I, again, I'm not going to do it. My point is, is that there's a whole other way of doing it out there. Yeah, there is. I, I think I, I, you're right. I just I could not see myself doing that. <laughs> it's, it's too anecdotal. I mean, you gave the example. Okay, so you had a nanny. She was an artist. She was good. Okay, that's. But you know what? That's not really evident. You know, you have to. Uh, there's such thing as a curriculum, and you have to put it together and you integrate it. And I think it's much. I think that homeschooling tends to make the, the, the school system rather simplistic. I think it's better to get into your school system, whatever it is, and make a contribution. Make a contribution to the community. Maybe that's a social worker in me. You think you have a crummy school system or you don't like what's happening with your kid, then get there and do something about it. I agree with that. And there are schools, I think, that probably wouldn't be so wanting to have parents come in. And now the school that my daughter's in, they have a parent go in once a month and do a special whole morning on something of their specialty. In other words, there was a pilot that went in and talked about flying planes, and that happens all the time. And what did you do? Have you done it yet? No, I haven't done it. What are you going to do? I don't know. I haven't even been asked. (laughs) (laughs) And I haven't offered either. You haven't offered. Tell them to listen to the show, and they'll get a feel for, you know, how you view things, what you think. Um, They're going to ask you, because they ask everybody, don't they? At some point, I'm sure they will. Yeah, at some point. But I like that. I think the parents should be very involved in their kids' school to be a part of the topics. You know, one woman is from Israel, and she went in and she talked to the kids how to write their names in what's in... What's Hebrew. Hebrew, yes, thank you. <laughs> um, and they, I love that. I think that people from all over the world are going in and doing a lot of it on geography and different areas in the world. So I well, love that. That I, I like. The kids are in school, the parents come to them. That's okay. I, yeah, I think the kids great. at home with the with the, you know... Uh, with no teachers and just parents. You I, I, there's no way I could do it, I'll tell you. I asked the teacher, I said, could I pay you extra, the teacher, to read? Because I can't. Well, and I, could I pay you extra by the time I had my third one to please take them in school all day kindergarten? Yeah, I totally get that. Stuff. Now, I mean, there's something, you know, you have to, there's a lot of practical stuff. Anyway, we have to say goodbye. Lauren Deller-Blake, Catherine Zock, hope you enjoyed this show this morning. You've been listening to the Catherine Zock Show on Voice America Variety. Dot com. Uh, we'll have a great day, and we'll see you next week. Breathe, Catherine. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox.
thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.